Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Genesis chapter number 2. I'm going to read from verse 15 to verse 25. Uh, if If you didn't bring a Bible, it will be on the screen for you to follow along with us. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. Here's what it says. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every, every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Somebody say it's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. Somebody say helper. Comparable. Comparable to him. Comparable to him. Then the rib... Then the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Glory to God. So we're starting a brand new series uh, for this month of February, which we have called Help, I'm Married. Help, I'm Married. And this this series title was inspired uh, because many couples feel trapped in marriage. Most are enduring their marriage instead of enjoying it. And the plan of God is for you to enjoy your marriage and not to endure it. That is the plan of God. So that's what we're going to talk about this entire month. But the the message that I want to preach today, I've called it, Why Did I Get Married? Why did I get married? Why did I get married? And I really need you to lean in to this message this morning. Pay, Pay close attention. Whether you're married or single, this is going to really help you, especially if you're still single. And for the married folks, this is the word of God for you. God wants to fix something and wants to really, really take our marriages to a whole new level. So like I said, um, I hear a lot of very awful stories about marriages gone wrong. And recently, I haven't taken permission from her to share this, so I'm not going to go into the details. But a friend of of mine who is not a member of this church was sharing with me a marriage experience over the last 10 years. and, And tears were coming out of my eyes. Um, if you know anything about me, it takes a lot to get me to cry. <laughs> but halfway through the story, I literally was shedding tears because I couldn't be- believe or imagine that a human being could be made, through, made to go through something like that for a period of 10 years. And because she was trying to honor God and honor the word of God and stay in the marriage, you know, she, 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 you're going through so many experiences that people cannot explain. And the, the truth of the matter is that if we're, like, like she said this to me as well, that the reason why she's so passionate about single people now 
is because of our own experiences to make sure that, okay, I've gotten myself into this. I saw all these red flags. I didn't do anything about them, but you don't have to fall into this as well, all right? And, and when, you, when there is something that is faulty in a product, the best person to fix it is the manufacturer. We have had these experiences with cars especially, uh, and I've told you the story of our Volkswagen Jetta when the touchscreen broke. I just took it back to the manufacturer. They removed it and put a new one in. We had a similar experience with our, our car here now, and the, the trunk, because we, we put a lot of things in the trunk and we closed it forcefully, it bent the, the lever of the trunk a little bit, right? And instead of taking it to the manufacturer and scheduling an appointment, get them to fix it, I tried to fix it myself because I'm a man. All right. And in the process of trying to fix it, I ended up bending it much more. So now it doesn't even close properly anymore. So now I have no choice than to take it to the manufacturer. And that's what many of us do with marriage. Um, when we, we, we hit a roadblock and something is, is stuck, instead of taking it back to the person who, whose idea this was, we want to learn from the culture, from social media, from TV, from movies, from the internet, how to fix it. And the more effort you apply, the more broken it looks like it's becoming. But until you take it back to the manufacturer, get an idea of what was his original intent before this was even, because marriage was instituted before you ever existed. So you need to go back to the person who instituted it and let him tell you how this is going to work. So marriage was God's idea, not ours. We, we have to always check back with the original plan. The original plan is one man and one woman. Man and woman. Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. So we always have to make that clear that this is what we are talking about when we talk about marriage. And your marriage, uh, Jimmy Evans says this a lot, your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. Your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. The problem is that it's, it's very easy not to want to do it God's way. And some of you, some of the things I'll share with you today, you might, you might have some resistance in your heart to it. But I want you to understand this is scripture. We go back to the scriptures and we find what the original intent of God was. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. You are the one who needs to make an adjustment to what you see in God's word. So God gives us all things freely to enjoy. My timer is not up, so I, 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 feel, I take it that I'm, I'm good to go. Just fly. Okay? That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> so God gives us all things freely to enjoy, including your spouse. Including your spouse. But doing it God's way is the only way that guarantees that you will enjoy it. So why did I get married? This is the secret question many people are asking. Some people ask it in the positive light. Some people ask it in the other way. You know, and just asking themselves, okay, why didn't anybody tell me this was going to be this challenging? So I want, to, I want to remind you this morning of why you got married. I want to remind you what the intent of God was, what the plan of God was, or if you like, what the purpose of God is. Because it said that if your purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And the reason why the attack on the marriage institution is so strong in our time is because people don't understand the purpose for it. So everybody comes up with their own purpose. Everybody comes up with their own idea of, well, this is my marriage, just the way people do with their weddings now. So everybody wants to come up with their own version. You can do that with a wedding, but the marriage institution, it was not your idea. You can decide to get married on the boat or on land or inside under the water. That's your problem. But the marriage institution itself is not your idea. Yeah, you are allowed to come up with your idea of how you are going to get hooked. But when you get hooked, you have to go to the person who instituted it and let him show you what the roadmap is. Are you with me this morning? So Matthew chapter number 19, let's begin to get an idea into this. Matthew 19 from verse 4 to verse 6. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, 
but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So this is what the enemy is really trying to do, is that what God has joined together, he is trying to separate. So what are the biblical reasons we get married? This is what I want to talk to you about. The first one is called Christ-likeness. This is the first reason you got married. Why did I get married? The first reason is Christ-likeness. God designed marriage to make us more like Jesus Christ. Stay with me a moment. Ephesians chapter number 5. God designed marriage to make us more like Christ. Ephesians 5 from verse number 22. Look at what it says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, the Bible doesn't say women submit to all men. I need you to pay attention to that. The Bible says, wives, submit to your own husband. Your own husband, yeah. So, so the Bible doesn't tell all the women in the church to submit to the pastor. It says, wives, submit to your own husband. This is very important because this is how we get, we don't read the Bible. We don't read it properly. We just come up with our own idea. Like I was telling you last week, we read things into it. So it's telling the wife to submit to her own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife. As also, so he's painting a picture here, Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then he says, husbands, love your wives. Not how you, you think it's, it's supposed to be, but just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So let me ask you a question. Whose job is harder, the man or the woman? He says to the wife to submit to her own husband. And he's telling them, the man to give himself, <laughs> to give himself for her. Yeah, that's why my wife doesn't go near snow clearing. If anybody's back is going to break, it's got to be mine. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to, yes, amen, say amen to that. I'm not going to tell my wife to go outside and start shoveling snow. <laughs> because Christ will not tell the church to go outside and shovel snow where they can clear it themselves. So you give yourself. That's what he's talking about, all right? I, I believe that the man's job is harder. That's, that's what I believe. I believe that. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Husbands, is not telling you to love all the women in the church. Love your own wives. Uh-huh. You're laughing, but these things are real. Uh-huh. So, I've, I've, look, I've heard all sorts of stories. People, people saying God told them to leave their wife and marry Sister Joy. Uh-huh. I, I know what I'm talking about. So, God, God, God is not the author of confusion. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So marriage is really a picture of Christ and the church. That is what marriage is. Marriage was meant to make us holy before it was meant to make us happy. This is the one that people always fight against, but you need to write it down. Marriage was intended to make you holy before it was meant to make you happy. If you go after happiness before the holiness part, you will end up in a lot of marriages. If we love our spouses the way Christ loves the church, we will have healthy marriages. If we follow this instruction, this prescription, not follow the culture, follow what is popular, follow what is acceptable socially, 
but you stay with the scripture. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Husbands, love your own wives the way Christ loves the church. We will have healthy marriages. Because marriage is not the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is supposed to be a byproduct of a healthy marriage. It is not the pursuit of happiness. I know that's what everybody tells you. All the movies you watch is, are you happy? Once you, are, you say you are happy, do whatever you like. Whatever makes you happy. We don't do that in this kingdom. We go into the scripture and find exactly how God has prescribed it. It was supposed to first make you holy before it makes you happy. The health of your marriage is not in the pursuit of happiness, but in the pursuit of Christ-likeness. I'm dropping a lot of germs already, okay? Not G-E-R-M, okay? Gems, gems, G-E-M-S. <laughs> All right, so God wants to use the marriage institution to build your character. He wants to use it to build your character. The first one that he will build is patience. Then you will move to endurance. Then end up in long-suffering. That, that is the plan, all right? So you, it will help you to overcome self, overcome selfishness and self-centeredness. Uh, every one of us have that thing in us that, that wants to self-preserve, that wants to, to care for myself first. Uh, marriage is that place. I always call it a pressure cooker that will fix that selfishness in you. If you are a self-centered person and you don't want to do anything about it, please don't get married. Because this is why many people hit a roadblock in marriage. Marriage will take away self from you. It no longer becomes about you, but about the person you have married and the offsprings that you produce. And that's what your focus is. So, you, it's supposed to make your partner better, add value to each other, and serve one another. Just take as much in as you can. I'm just going to say all of the things that I have here, okay? You are supposed to make each other better, add value to each other, and serve one another. Matthew 22, we find the great, the great commandment here. Matthew 22 and verse 35, it says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The best place to practice this idea of love in its full expression, is in the institution of marriage. We don't get hurt by people we don't care about. The people we get hurt by are the people that are closest to us. Those are those that have the tendency to really, really hurt us. So love, like we said last week, is commitment. It is loyalty. Love doesn't jump ship, no matter how tough things are. And this is where it gets very difficult. Uh, because you think about it, you say, but how, how hard can it get? Let's stick with the Word of God for a minute, okay? Let's stick with God's Word. Now, it says... Love, love suffers long. If you look at, you know that great love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's pick out verse 4 to 5. One of these days we'll go through everything. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. When you, when you, you, you read all of these things, you realize why the Bible says God is love. Because God is the only one that is the embodiment of all of these things. Every one of us have to walk our way towards this, this standard of what love is. So, so before, you, before you pop the L word and start telling that girl you love her, oh boy, check very well. Because love is not the thing that you wake up the next day and say you are no longer doing. Because she had an accident, she cannot walk now. Then your love begins to dissolve. Uh -huh. you, you, know, you know how these things work. Love requires effort. Sparks or no sparks. 
Love is not that thing that just comes on you and you have no control of, over it. Oh, I'm just in love. I don't know what I'm thinking anymore. Oh, all I can think about is you. No, 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 no. no. There are so many things you can think about when you are in love, but you choose to think about her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, there are so many other. When you are really in love, there are so many things that you can choose to think about. In fact, there are so many other people that you can be thinking about, but you choose to be committed to the one you have chosen. So it's, it's both a commandment, it is, it is loyalty, and it is commitment. And, and this is why we, we, we make an effort. Uh, when, you, when you meet somebody for the first time, uh, there, there is always the tendency to be drawn towards something that seems new. It's not a big deal. Uh, I always tell singles this. The way you are shaking like this, you can shake like that 10 times in your lifetime. It doesn't mean you will stay married. Yeah, you, you, every time you meet somebody that, that seems new, that person may have, I've had five previous partners, but to you, they feel like this is brand new. So there's an excitement that comes with that. There is an excitement. You get very excited. You are talking every day. You are doing all of that. When you exhaust all of the things that you can talk about, all the places you can go, all the, you have, you know, it's called sea finish, where I come from. Uh, when you've, you've seen the end of everything, you know, there's nothing new anymore. You now have to dig into something called commitment. Yeah. It's at that point that you know whether you are truly in love or not. Uh, Pastor Bimba Odekoya used to call it the honeymoon stage of love. Everybody goes through that. And you can have it multiple times because what happens is when people now get to the point where commitment is required, when those sparks aren't there anymore, they now look at the mirror and say, this mirror is not good. I want to break it. I'm going to another marriage. So they abandon that one. Then they jump ship. At the beginning of that new one, everything will be exciting. It's normal. Yeah, so you say, ah, this is the real one. This is what I should have done. See that other one? Rubbish. This is the real person. So you start again with that process. It will be exciting for a while, for a season. It will go, you will go through that honeymoon phase again. You will get to the point where you will need to now dig into commitment. Every marriage gets to that point where you now have to dig deeper into commitment. You can, you can come back to the honeymoon stage multiple times, but it, you won't get there multiple times in one marriage if you don't dig into commitment. Am I being too deep for you this morning? Yeah, so you need to, then everybody will get to that point where you wake up every day, you look at her, you say, why did I get married? <laughs> you know, and you have to dig into that thing called commitment and loyalty. And then there will be other seasons where you'll be like, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Like Kenneth Copeland always sings for Gloria. After all these 50-something years, you know, 60-something years now that they've been married. Can you imagine that? And he will still be singing, you're the girl, you're the best. Say, She's not a girl. You need to look very well. This is a, an elderly woman. So, so we don't just wait to see if we fall in love or not. We make effort to make marriage work. Glory to God. So that's the first thing. Number two reason why we get married. Number two reason is godly offspring. Godly offspring. This is not a popular idea, especially now in the culture, you know, where people are talking about, you know, you have the right to choose whether you want to, be, you want to have children or not. You know, I don't want to have children. You know, it's not funny that we talk about this. People say they don't want to have kids, they don't want to have kids, yet they want to preserve the planet. So my question is for who? <laughs> for who now? <laughs> yeah, you know, the culture is very confused. Malachi chapter 2, I want to show you from scripture how this is a biblical idea that you are having children or not having children is not really, you can, you can decide, I'm not, this is not a doctrine, but I want to show you the Bible, that it's, it's what the heart of God is concerning marriage. Yet you say, verse 14, Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, Yet she is your companion. We'll come back to that idea. And your wife by covenant is telling us what marriage is about. 
Marriage is about covenant. But he did not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit. And why one? Okay, I want to make sure you're seeing what I'm saying. What does God seek? God is seeking godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers one garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So God wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. Don't be part of this selfish obsession in the culture with everything just being about me, me, and me. All right? That, that is not a godly idea. Genesis chapter 1. Now, if there is a delay in, in conception or any other thing, that's a different story. I'm saying don't let your decision to whether, or if you feel like you have, you know, there are people that feel like they still have, they have, they are parent, parentally challenged. Uh, if, there's an, if there's an English word like that, right? Who feel like, ah, I, I, I don't know how to be a good parent. Uh, we, we learn on the job. Oh, I'm telling you. Like, when, before your baby comes, look, I read books. If I, there's one that I really love, one blue book about being a first dad that I still read over and over again. I read, I read, I read, but there's nothing, nothing prepares you for the first poop. When you open the diaper and they just, they just translate the thing into you, nothing prepares you for it. So you learn on the job. Next time you want to approach, you approach with caution, with, with awe, <laughs> with fear and trembling. I just do it, you learn. <laughs> then you learn, then you adjust, you know? So no, nobody is perfect in this thing. Nobody is perfect. God, and God himself knows that, that you, you learn. As you go along, you learn it. So don't let that be an excuse for, you know, people come up with all sorts of things. But don't let selfishness and your desire to just live life for yourself, don't let it. What, one of the things that God is really interested in is, is preserving our legacy of faith for generations to come. Yeah, that's why he wants God, godly offspring. And it's work. It takes work to do that stuff. Sometimes, man, my, sometimes I want to sleep. You know, I come back from, from, from night shift and I, I, I'm trying to sleep and my boys are just on a rampage. And I'm like, God, why did I have children? Why? Why can't I just sleep in peace? All right? And there are, there are those days that you will come back home, you will open the door and they will come running from everywhere. And they are, daddy, daddy, daddy. And you say, this is why I had children. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Psalm 127, verse 3 to 4. This one, you, you might know this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. That's where we got the name for our kids' ministry from, in case you are wondering. Okay? The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So God wants you to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply. It is one of the purposes of marriage. God never intended for babies to be born outside a marriage union. Now, I know I'm preaching a difficult message this morning, but please hear the word of God, okay? That was not the original intent of God. Just like I tell singles that God's plan was not for us to have multiple exes before we got married. It was supposed to be one man, one woman, experiment, figure it out. Yeah, there wasn't supposed to be baggage that you bring in. But these things happen. So it doesn't mean that, oh, if you, you're born out of wedlock, you can't be anything. No, that's not what we're talking about here. God has a plan for every single one of us. It's the other reason why we don't kill babies before they are born. So there are multiple layers to this thing, all right? But the idea is that God's intent, the plan, was that everybody is born into a, a home so that they can be cared for and they can be groomed, all right? You know, until I got to Canada, I didn't know people who came from broken homes. That might surprise you. And people who, who, who grew up in Nigeria or other countries, they would testify, you might have gone through high school and not have one friend that came from a broken home. 
Yeah, because it was so rare. And the people that I knew who, who were living with their were single parents and what, it was because they lost a spouse. It wasn't because they just woke up one day and decided, you know what, this thing is not working for me, I'm walking away. So, but here in the West, it's a, it's a pandemic. It's a serious pandemic. And you have to make up your mind that you're not going to be a part of that statistics, that you're not going to be counted in that number, that you will do all in your power to make sure that, you know, you stay, you stay where God has put you and you stay committed to your, to your marriage. Now, I'm not saying that, saying it won't be challenging. Uh-huh. Please hear me. I'm not saying it will not be tough. There are some, I just told you this, a story. I wish I could share that story with you, but I don't like breaking, you know, I have to take permission to share that kind of thing, right? But if you hear half of it, your heart will be broken, that no human being deserves this stuff, right? So, but you do your best to make sure that before God, you can stand to say, I did all that was in my power. Not that I just got up and decided that because it's challenging, I'm walking away from this. So raising godly offspring is a healthy, in a healthy godly environment is one of the reasons God instituted marriage. Now, closely connected to this is the idea of sexual fulfillment. Sexual fulfillment is a legitimate purpose of marriage. And, and the, 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 the two come as a package. You know, so when people tell me that, oh, this second baby was a surprise, I say, oh God, there's no surprise. One activity leads to the other. So you cannot tell me you were surprised. The minute you, you decided to engage in that activity, there is the possibility of this other activity. Uh-huh. So they are, they are closely linked. And I want to show you the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll read, we'll read from verse 1 to verse 3. 1 Corinthians 7 from verse 1 to 3. It says, are you, are you using the okay, New King James? Okay. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. If you can, if you can find New Living Translation, I, I like how it doesn't, it doesn't hide words. You can give us that verse 3 in the New Living Translation. I'll just move on. If you can find it, put it on the screen. Sex is a, is a good reason to get married. The only problem is that it cannot be the only reason why you're getting married. Okay. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with the fact that, okay, you feel pressure. Look at New Living Translation. It says the husband should fulfill his wife's... It's as simple as that. Yeah, every one of us have that. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Now, the, the, those desires that you have, they are, not, they are not ungodly. If you're a single person and you say, oh, this pressure is too much, it's the, it, what it tells us is that you are okay. You are functioning properly the way God created you. Yeah, but what you're supposed to do is keep that in check until marriage so that all of your, your desire, your affection will be towards the person that you marry. Yeah. Not that you, you fly up and down the whole place and then you get married and you are confused because all of your different parts are flying all over the place. That was not God's plan. That's not God's intention. So if you do it God's way, having your own spouse should actually reduce your, your chances of getting into sexual immorality. It doesn't eliminate it. But if you focus on your spouse, you should be fine. L- give me the message translation for that scripture and let me read the message to you. I like how... All these different translations express this thing. It says, now getting down to the question you asked in your letter, uh, is it good to have sexual relations? Keep going. Verse 2. Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. So it doesn't matter how crazy the world has gone. That's, That's enough. It doesn't matter how crazy the world has gone. Marriage is strong enough. Glory to God. So sexual desire is not bad. It is God's God-given, but it must be kept in check before marriage. God's standards haven't changed. 
I know a lot of people are, are, are living together, they are, you know, come up with all sorts of excuses. It does not change what God's standard is. We don't bring the standard of God down to the level of culture. Culture has to be challenged to raise its standard to the level of the Word of God. The Word of God has stood the test of time from generation to generation, and it will remain the same until Jesus comes. If you don't decide to adjust yourself to the standard of God's Word, you will hit roadblocks. That's why people will keep bumping their head against it, and they are, they are coming up with man-made ways of solving all these things. Say, okay, I was born this way, but I want to be this way. Then they go, then they, they keep discovering multiple layers of problems and keep trying to fix it, keep trying to fix it, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Because the more you deviate from the standard that God has set, the more problems you will encounter. If we only stay with God's agenda and his plan, we will find fulfillment. So it's not just for having children, and that's what I, why I tied it together. The idea is not just that, the only time you can have sexual relations is when you want to have children. Uh -huh. That's not the idea, because I know there are denominations that teach that stuff. God gave you as a gift, and it is supposed to be enjoyed in your marriage, not to be endured. Don't worry, when we get into marriage conference, it will be explained better to you in plain English. But I am very, very conscious now of the fact that, you know, recently I met a very young, um, uh, a very, I don't even know what to call them. These ones are not, they are, they are not just disciples, they are they are my followers. So I went to see a friend of mine and his children, two of them, a boy and a girl, they, they watched the live stream as if, like, you will not believe it. This boy was quoting to me, I'm sure the father is laughing now, he was quoting to me messages that I have preached months ago. Quoting, if some of you cannot do that thing, I'm telling you. Like, some of it is when he said it that I remember that I preached what this boy is saying. And he was quoting things to me. And I'm like, how is one young boy like this able to remember all these things? That tells you how much they pay attention. So I decided today that I'll keep it family friendly. Okay? When we get to the marriage conference, we'll deal with all the other things. Glory to God. So why did I get married? Final point number three. Why did I get married? Companionship. The final reason we'll look at today, not, it's not, uh, these are not all the reasons. This is just the final one I want to talk about today. It's called companionship. And we already saw this in Malachi chapter 2 when we read that from verse 14 to verse 16. It says, yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and, the, and your wife by covenant. Loneliness is also a pandemic. In this, in this generation and this culture that we live in, everybody just wants to have a dog and die alone. That's not the plan of God for you. That's not the plan of God. No, God wants you to leave a legacy behind. And let me just chip this in here. Please be very careful when you start equating your pets to the same level as your children. Please be very, very careful. That is, a, that is another disease in this culture. Uh, your, your pets are not on the same level with your kids. Please, I'm begging you the name of God. Uh -huh. So the world can talk any way they like uh, and say, you know, when they're having... And I, I always stop those conversations. I don't, I don't even let it go. Uh, when, when I'm talking about my children and they're talking about their, their pets as though you having a pet equates to me. Have You say, you have no idea what, what having a child is. Yeah. So, so don't even go there. And you as a child of God, you cannot afford to talk that way. It's very easy to get into these things when you are, you are interacting with people in the culture. Uh, you know, and they, they, they talk about their pets as if, you know, it is... Yeah, pets are good. Uh, but they are nowhere near. Let me just stay with my message, okay? I don't get, I don't get it. Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to the Bible. Genesis chapter number 2 from verse 18 to 20. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Notice that, a helper that is comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. 
and whatever Adam called the living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave name to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So the intent behind marriage was to give you a helper that is comparable to him. This is why we say marry your friend. Or at least become best friends with whoever you marry. Some, some people don't have the option of marrying their friend. Uh-huh. And it might surprise you to note that... <laughs> I know you will not like this because you want to fall in love. But it might surprise you to know that statistics still prove that, and this is not a made-up statistics, okay? I told you that, you know, 80% of statistics are made up on the spot. This one is not made up. You can look it up. That, that the large percentage of arranged marriages still succeed more than those of us that are falling in love. Yeah. Because what they do is that they, they help people sort out the issue of compatibility before you have to figure out chemistry. So they are looking at the marriage, the, the families that are involved. They are looking at their values. They are looking at their upbringing. They are looking at so many things in the backgrounds of these people when the families decide that this is the family we are going to. They are looking at families that, that grew up in similar ways, that have similar interests and all of those different things, cultural values, all of those things. So when those people come together, the issue of being compatible, which is the practicality of things, is already fixed for them. They need to now figure out chemistry. How many people know chemistry? You can develop chemistry with anybody. Oh, I just need to lock you up in the same house for a long time. Ask Big Brother. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, why do you think those shows are so popular? People will walk into the same house. They look at themselves the first day. They say, look at you, monkey. Look at how you look. Look at your leg like this. They will abuse themselves. Like, you, you can hear it on the thing. They are abusing each other literally. Twelve days later, he's looking at her and saying, this guy is not bad, though. This girl. But you call that a monkey. You get what I'm talking about. And you see, over time, and up by 20, 20 something days, you see them cuddling together in bed, trying to hide from the camera and covering themselves. Yeah, because chemistry, chemistry is the easiest thing to develop. That's where when you start shaking because of a guy, I always tell singles, just relax. Give this thing some time and distance and see whether you still feel like this next week. Because once you stop communicating and you stop feeding that thing, it will die. A natural death. It will die. You will meet somebody else and the way you'll be shaking, you'll be like, ah, but why was I shaking like that? It's, it's chemi- chemicals. Yeah, it's hormones that are working. So you, you, you will develop chemistry, but because compatibility, and I took time to teach this last year on this chemistry and compatibility thing, because that part is already taken care of, they will find out that the, the kind of food they like is similar. You know, I see people who, I mean, and of course you know the kind of church we are in. I'm not in any way against uh, interracial marriage. In fact, I support it. Uh-huh. I, I'm in love with that kind of idea. But your relationship also has to be practical. There's got to be common ground. So if you don't speak the same language, you have to find a language that you can communicate in. Do you understand? These are the practical issues. So you see people, somebody is in Guatemala. The other one is in, is in Finland somewhere. They fall in love online. And they are, they are, you can see that you that you're watching, you know that this thing ain't going to work. You guys might, might be shaking like this. and became, But the practicality of this thing... They want to eat. They are fighting over it. They, they, you know, like well, simple things. So, but for those marriages that you call arranged, they have already sorted out all that for them. The person comes, they like the same kind of food. <laughs> so the, the grounds for fights is, is minimal. Very minimal. That's why they last longer. You know, so so there's, no, there's no, you know, this is the perfect way or this is not the perfect way. It's just that when you now get married, if you were not friends before you got married, you now need to be intentional. It's called intentional dating. There are so many things we do when we are dating that when we get married, we think it's, it's no longer time, that you can't do it anymore, right? There's nothing wrong with you. My, my wife still does this all the time. That's where I choose my, our profile pictures from. 
if she takes all these, you know all these random pictures that you put take in the car when the man is driving? You, you are pretending like you don't do it. Uh, you, you are in the drive passenger seat, you just take all these random selfies. She will send me every single one of them, the good, the bad, the ugly. Then I'll pick the one that I like, because I just want to admire her. Because these were things she used to do when, she was, when we were single. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not now that we are married that I should now be denied. The, the, oh, am I being too real for you guys today? I think I'm being too real for you. You guys are just, are just like, oh, pastor, you're being so, this is, don't be kind of. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, tell, I, tell, I tell people, late in the midnight hour, a man is a man. If you know, you know. Uh-huh. If you don't know, be there. Okay? So, so don't stop doing the things that you used to do. Whatever it was that used to, that used to you know, make your, your relationship fun and exciting, it's not because they are kids now. You can carry the kids along with you to date night if you don't have anybody to look after them. You can do it. Go to, they will give you a table for family. Sit them down. Give the kids their own thing. Be staring at your wife. Put the phone away. You get what I'm talking about. You've got to become intentional about that. And where all of this stems from is, is communicating. You can't, what, what you did not tell them, you cannot hold them responsible for. Yeah, you can't, you can't expect your wife to be the Holy Ghost, just knowing everything. Say, but this is supposed to be love. You should be able to finish my sentence. The reason why they can finish their sentences is because they have, they have talked multiple times. Yeah, don't get into a marriage and expect things to just work on their own. If we're in love, it should just work. No, people work <laughs> on things to make it work. Glory to God. Uh-huh. As you lay your bed, that's the way you will lie on it. So your spouse should be your best friend. God did not, uh, this one, uh, um, um, I always like to point out as well, God, God could have done so many things with Adam when God saw that it's not good for him to be alone. He could have literally created a friend in another garden and put a basketball court in the middle and say in the evening, you guys come together. And, do you know he could have done that? Yeah, he could have done that. He could have done anything. He could have created them, then put a, a, a bar there with grape juice and say in the evening, come and meet together. So, so what I'm saying is your, your friend should not be your best friend. Your spouse should be your best friend. When you are getting married, you are leaving to cleave. The way you leave father and mother, you leave all your friends behind. If your friends are more important to you than your spouse, stay single. Single or married is not going to get us to heaven. Do you understand? Ah, there's nothing wrong with being single. If you can meet the conditions of being single and holy, stay single. But if you want to get married, you want to, you want to eat your cake and have it. That's not what marriage is. So if you are getting married, you are leaving some things behind. You are leaving some, some friends behind. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have friends, but your priority is your spouse. Your, 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 your deepest, you know, you don't tell your friends stuff that you haven't told your spouse. This is how marriages get to the point where there's so much gap. There's so much gap because your, your friends that you chat with, and this goes both ways. Men do it, women do it. So it's not like one person is, is exempt. We, we all do this stuff. And because we think we find it easier to talk to our friends about stuff, the reason you find it easy is because you practice that relationship. If you do the same with your spouse, you will get to the point where you find it easy. But if you keep holding back because, oh, I don't know how they will take this, I don't know how they will take this, you are, you are reducing the chances of ever getting to that point. Am I making sense? All right. So, true companionship also provides us with comfort in difficult seasons of life. So, God's idea of marriage was to give us somebody that we can do life with and not do life alone. You can celebrate wins together and you can go through difficult challenges together. A shoulder that you can lean on, literally. Genesis 24 and verse 67. Genesis 24, 67. We are at the home stretch. Let's, let's try to land this plane safely. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's 
debt. So that, that's one level of companionship is we, we all need that. When, when we get into, this is why your spouse has to be your friend. Otherwise, when that time comes, they will not be able to play that role. And then he speaks about, about helper multiple times. Genesis chapter 2 that we read from verse 18. He says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So just some, some thoughts here to, to chip in. God gave Adam work before he gave him a wife. So you're single, you're listening to me. Your priority is, first of all, get yourself together. Don't, don't try to, you know, this is why people get into this thing of, oh, I want, I, want, um, I want to live with them so that the bills can be easier. It's because your bills are more, too much for you already. Yeah, so stay, stay within your means. Try to get a job. Try to get yourself settled to some level so that when you are, you are getting together with someone, you are an asset, not a liability. You, you have something that you are bringing to the table as well. All right? That's, that's the order. God gave him work before he said, okay, this thing that I'm asking this guy to do, he can't do it by himself. I need to make him a helper that's comparable to him. So the purpose was to help with the work that God had given him. So if you got married for many other reasons, okay, don't feel bad. All right? It may explain some of the frustrations that you're going through, but all hope is not lost. So don't hear this message and, and hear condemnation. And hear, oh, my, my case is so bad. I can't. No, no. The blood of Jesus is more than, more than enough to cleanse everything, any and everything. Whether you're, you're watching today and you're saying, wow, this sounds so good. I wish I knew this before I got married. Yeah, it's not too late. Because there are so many reasons why people get married. I mean, some people, it's just to please their friends. Yeah, believe it or not. Some people, it's just, all my friends are married now. I cannot be the only one. Somebody needs to come and dance in my own wedding too. Yeah, and they do that. Some people, it's just to please their parents. You know, their, their parents are putting pressure on them and they start manipulating them. Oh, am I going to go to the grave without my grandchild? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and they start putting pressure. Those of you that grew up here, you might not know this, but African parents, oh boy. Oh, they will put pressure on you. Uh, Asians do it too. They'll put pressure on you and you will just decide that, you know what, who am I dating right now? Joseph, let's marry. <laughs> Joseph just came out, I don't know. <laughs> you know, some people get married for change of status. Uh-huh. They, want to, they, want me to, they want me to address me as missus. I don't like everybody just calling me miss, miss. No, I'm not miss. I'm going to be missus. Some is financial security. I'm giving you all the wrong reasons. Uh-huh. Why people decide to marry? Say, ah, if I get married now to this guy, ah, he's loaded. You know, my life will never be the same again. They will get married and they will start enjoying misery. So uh, don't, don't, do, don't do it for all those reasons, to share bills with someone or you say, my, my time is running out. My biological clock is ticking. Who is the one that made the biological clock? Uh-huh. It's the same person that instituted the idea of marriage. So, so we have to get that right. So throughout this month and during the marriage conference, we're going to be talking about issues that are related to our marriage. The, the idea is for God to help us to make our homes healthy. It's not everyone, every, there's no perfect marriage everywhere. Any, every marriage you see have their own challenges and everybody is working hard at theirs. The reason why it looks like, you know, ah, you guys look so good together. Or, you know, I hear all this comment. I'm just like, you don't know the work that we are doing. Uh-huh. It's work. Everybody, you have to put in the work so that your marriage becomes the way that you, you, you see it. That there's an elderly couple that I'm thinking about now that even after 60 years of, of being married, if, if, you are, if you are with him and in, in one hour he hasn't called his wife, something is really wrong. Yeah, they still put in all that work just to make sure that they're, they're keeping things going and they're keeping things refreshed. So don't forget what we started with. The, the goal of Satan is to separate what God has joined together. Mark chapter 10. Let's read that again. Mark chapter 10, from verse 7 to 9, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So, approach everything we'll be talking about with a receptive mind, not a closed mind. Um, the rest of the series might not be as calm as I try to be today. Today, I just decided that I will try not to sweat too much and be distracted so that you can get the message, okay? This is not my typical style. Normal me, I want to scream and yell, and, but I watched my two previous I said, I'm yelling at these people too much. I need to calm down a little bit. So, I'm sure I achieved that today. Okay, but I hope you still got the message. The enemy is trying to separate you. If you are not married, this is the time to learn and prepare yourself. Um, at the end of the day, marriage takes work. It takes a, just imagine you didn't, you didn't clear the snow that was piling up on your, on your driveway and you wanted to come to church today. There's no way you will, you will be here. The reason why you're able to make it here is because you took a shovel, made an effort, and created a path, and you were able to do that. It's the same thing. So don't expect your feelings to manage your marriage for you. You have to work on it. I'm just repeating all the things that I've said. So let's bow our heads this morning. If you're, you're in the room this morning or you're watching us online, um, we just finished saying that marriage mirrors Christ and the church. The, the critical thing is that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. First and foremost, that is the first thing. That is the first thing. And we always like to give an opportunity. It's the reason why we made every effort to hold service today, to make sure that if you are, you are out there or you are in the room and you, you need to make this decision, to come back home or to, to realign yourself. You, maybe you have, you have said this prayer in the past, you've been saved, but you are not living the life that is consistent with the values of God, and you want to come back home. We're going to give you another, another opportunity this morning. Every one of us will say the prayer with you, but you, you say it especially there and mean it in your heart. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that God sent you to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth that you were raised to life again on the third day. I accept you into my heart today as my Lord and as my Savior. Come into my life and do something with it. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive you by faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.